You're listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Right, welcome to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. I'm Vadim from Calm Frog Recording. And I'm Ben from Dreamloud Studio. Yes, and you may notice we're wearing the same clothing we wore last week. It's not because we're <laughs> filthy slobs, or at least... That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. That's why. That's yeah, one of the reasons, but it it's because we recorded two episodes in a row. So if yes. you're watching this on YouTube, do not be alarmed. Uh, last week's episode was on acoustic guitars. This week's episode is on revisions, the dreaded R word. And we're going to try not to throw anybody we've ever worked with ever in the past (laughs) under the bus here because revision is is a touchy subject. There's a lot of ego involved in the word revision. And also this is where a lot of bands struggle. This is where a lot of relationships are uh, become tense and display some <laughs> some yes. some elements that uh, may have not come to light until you get to this point. So, yeah, where do you want to start, Ben, when it comes to revisions? <laughs> um, maybe we could just talk about maybe what to expect. I'm trying not to just like jump full in and just start saying, and this is what I hate about revisions. Yeah, here's yeah. what, and here's another thing. All right, let's <laughs> start with this. So let's start with just the concept of a revision so the concept of a revision is this somebody in your band maybe it's you is working on a song whether it's a demo or a mix or anything you have come up with something that you think is appropriate for that step of the process so maybe it's just a rough demo maybe it's just a songwriting arrangement but you've come up with something that you think is finished for that step and you have now shown it to the other people who are involved in the project. And then they come back with comments. And this is such a a painful thing for people uh, because you thought it was done. You did it the best you could have done, presumably. And now you're getting a laundry list of comments. And I can tell you that even me, like mixing for people um, for a couple of years now, I do struggle with this still because Mm. usually I don't send out a mix until I'm like happy with until I'm feeling it you know but right before I send it out I'm sitting there and I'm grooving to it and then I get a list of revisions back and I'm just like oh my god what is going on (laughs) and I'll tell you one thing Ben uh I felt a lot better about this because every time I read an article like tape op magazine is one I subscribe to uh Michael Brower was the most recent one I read he says that he he mixes Coldplay, right? Like most recently, he's done the big names. Paul McCartney, he says he sends out a mix and he gets back a legal pad of revisions and he said he just curls up in a ball because <laughs> it's it's so painful. So that made me feel better. It's like everybody goes through this. Um, and I think a lot of times the people who are providing the revisions, this is also an episode for you if you're providing comments, you have to realize that the person who sent you that work put a lot of themselves into it. So you have to uh, you have to be gentle, I'll say, yeah. with your bandmates because you could really you could really open up some some cans of worms. So that's my opening rant on what revisions are and some of the high level sensitivities. Give me yours. 
So, yeah, I agree with you on on everything that you said there. Great overview. Um, revisions is such a it's a it's a psychological process. It's almost like a game. It's almost like dating. It's really weird because uh, on one side you've got you know one person. I mean, on both sides, on the artist side that's created the song that has sent out their material to get mixed or mastered or have something production-wise done to it, they've put their best foot forward, or so you think, <laughs> or the best that they can do forward. Good point. And then on the receiving end, you hope that whoever is working on your stuff is putting their best foot forward. And I would say in most situations, they do as well. And so you've you've kind of got this weird mingling and meeting in between of two people putting their best foot forward, but with different perspectives on the same material. And this is where like kind of the awkwardness, it's it's like awkward, it's tension, it's love, hate, all at the same time. And there's also a little bit of psychological play going into it as well. And, and I guess this is where I'll open up the conversation and say, originally when I was first getting into the studio, I heard some advice that said, instead of putting you're 100% all into, and this is from coming from a mixing perspective on tracks that I've received from artists. Instead of putting like your all, your 100% into it and getting invested on your end because it's not your material, it's the artist material, put your best 90% into it. And then whenever you get to that 90%, send it back for revisions because most likely the artist is going to have some revisions anyway. So it's better you get it back to them before you've invested so much of yourself into it to get their feedback to see if you're going in the right direction. And I think that that's such a great point, Ben. Yeah, mm. I, I've, I've thought about doing this as well. It's almost this concept of an 80, let's call it the 80-20 rule. Yeah. You're 80% done with the mix, but the last 20% of that mix is going to take you 80% of the time that you're going to spend on it, if that yeah. makes sense. And so there's something to be said about get that 80% complete mix out to people because if they have broad stroke changes, it'll be easier yeah. for you to correct those changes now. I've never to this point been able to adopt that because I just want to send out – I just want to – I'm swinging yeah. for the fences. Every time I'm up to bat, Ben, I'm swinging yeah. for the fences. Every time I send out a mix, I'm like – this one's going to come back. They're just going to say it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never has. It's never. never happened. Oh, that's funny. Maybe we can talk <laughs> about why that is because I don't think it's you. I think it's I think it's the style of musicians that you're working with. And um, before getting into that, I will say that that's where I started. I started with this, this idea or concept in mind of I'll do my best 90% to give it back. I've since changed and come closer to your philosophy and I do something more like I put my best 95% into it mm. or even 98 because this is my thinking um even if the artist hates what I did and I have to change a lot I would rather put the absolute best forward or I would rather show a more completed project to what I think is sounds awesome in my opinion yes. rather than sending something out that sounds I'm not sure about or just better than mediocre. Totally. I, I made this up. This is this is an original Vadim quote, <laughs> but I've been telling myself that I'm going to mix my conscience. 
on every <laughs> mix I do, which is to say, like, even if it's not exactly what I think the artist is going for, like, presumably they're working with me because they like my sound. Yeah. I'm going to mix it the way I think it sounds good. And I just feel better about that. I'm like, I'm just going to yep. mix my conscience every time. And even if they come back and say, change that thing, I don't like it. That's fine. I have to do it that way or else I'm just guessing. Because it, it's very hard. Like music is such a subjective art. It's very yeah. hard to sit there and try to guess like what does this person want. Yes, I want to understand broadly the the sound they're going for. But after that, once I have that vision, I'm, I need to use my instincts or else I'm flying rudderless. Flying rudderless. I'm rowing <laughs> rudderless. <laughs> yes. I guess you could fly rudderless too. Planes yeah. have rudders. Yeah, planes have rudders. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's not our material. If it's somebody else's art that they've given you, like I think it's only acceptable to uh, conform to the the artist wishes rather yes. than to um, our subjective wishes. Well, that that's uh, that's a question for you. So this is another thing that people in the industry are a bit divided on. There's people like Steve Albini, who's another fantastic producer, mixer, engineer. It's been around forever worked on a lot of albums you've heard of. His philosophy is give the client what they want, no matter what, even if he thinks it's oh, wrong. Oh, no matter what. Like, well, he's like, yeah, okay, hmm. you want uh, you want that? Sure. Because that's ultimately his prerogative is to make sure that the client gets exactly what they want. I know other people, um, I can't think of a name off the top of my head, but there's other people who have more of an approach of like, hold on, Let's talk about this. And they try to, if they, if they really believe something, they try to convince the artist. Where, where do you find yourself on that oh, spectrum? A, and what do you recommend for, for mm. where do you find yourself? And then second question, what do you recommend for people who are mixing their own bands, uh, bands that they're in to communicate with their bandmates on that regard? I'm definitely a negotiator. If You're I a negotiator. Feel, if I feel strongly about something, I will try to convince the artist. And I have a good reason for this though. I think that, and this this comes up to um, maybe one of my first points on uh, taking a little bit of stock in yourself and saying, might not be wrong about my opinion. And that could be from the mixing perspective or from the artist perspective. Like it can go either way. I think it's important to kind of approach things and, and be humble enough to say, okay, I have, I have an, an, an initial opinion on something, but I might be wrong. So my reason for wanting to negotiate with artists is this. A lot of times when artists bring material to get mixed in particular, especially if it's a band like my band, a progressive metal band, Nafel, they've spent months working on these songs and they've honed and re-honed and re-EQ'd and rewrote and re-recorded. They're like Tool over here, like making albums. <laughs> yeah. um, they've honed all their tracks and you know they're better players and performers and arrangers, songwriters for all of that. But your ear can become so accustomed to your pre-production mix that somebody, whether it's me, whether it's somebody else that has a fresh set of ears, might instantly hear something that's better, that's more fresh, or they might hear something that was a problem in that original sound that everybody else that's looked and worked on it for months has become blind to. So I'll always try to put my opinions forward. And if I get if I get pushback, I will push back to a certain point and to the point where 
I try to be a I try to be a good negotiator and I won't just say I think I'm right. I'll say, okay, here's what you wanted and here's what I wanted. You pick the best one. And that's, that's a good where, that's a good approach. I think yeah. if it's if it's your band, if you have a, a creative stake uh in that band, which is not to say I mean mixing is a creative stake, but if you have yeah. if you're going to live with this product beyond just the making of the record, then you 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 kind of have a responsibility to not negotiate, oh, yeah. but just talk it through. And what I've found helps with those kinds of discussions is to explain the emotional reason for why a decision was made rather than talking technique. So when people start saying like, start talking about frequencies, like that's a red flag. I want to explain what I'm going for in this particular section, why I made a particular decision. And I'm saying like, I'm, I'm using terms like, I feel like this guitar is really building the energy of this section. And so I wanted to strip other things away. Like I find that talking on those terms helps them then hear it from a different perspective rather than explaining like technically uh, what was done, what plugins were used or whatever. That is usually not helpful. So I think that, yeah, if you, if you, if it's your band, you should have those types of discussions. Talk about emotionally what's happening in the song what are we going for does this match or if not then why not i think in negotiating your point of view it's it's helpful to think about um if somebody's giving you pushback you know why uh where are they coming from as far as being maybe unwilling to listen to your point of view or wanting to keep things a certain way because i find it always comes it always comes down to either time a piece of gear that they spent money on or a part that they really love there's always like a backstory behind like why people are stubborn or maybe can't see uh, a reason for changing a part and if you can identify what that is maybe that can better better help you navigate those waters as far as knowing how far or how hard to push on a certain thing or how to frame it in a different way and say oh you know like i know that you love playing this lead over this part but there's vocals happening and we really need the vocals to shine at this Uh, part of the song and you can take a solo later when there's not as much vocals happening like things like that or right broader perspective yeah understanding you're right understanding where they're coming from is definitely key there is a condition that you mentioned where you have fallen in love with the demo that is a very real Mm. thing it's even happened to me like on my own music where i just fall in i'm like i record something quick and dirty and i love the way it sounds and then i record the final thing a month later and i don't love it as much and that's a very real thing that you have to be careful. I find if if you're working with people who have fallen in love with the demo, a lot of times it helps them, it helps to jar their perspective by either saying, let's stop, let's take a break, let's come back to this in a week, or to say like, play this for your friend, play this for somebody who's never heard the song, play them both versions, you know, That's see what they think. Uh, just to kind of jar that perspective loose a little bit. It's it's easy to fall in love with your with your demos for sure. I've had the situation before, and I won't reveal any names, but somebody recorded a song at my studio, and I, th- I think that they were so shocked by what their voice actually sounded like coming through 
high quality microphones, they didn't like it because they did the demo singing on their phone. And because of the microphone on a phone, it picked up completely different frequencies. Even to me, it sounded like a different person singing. And mm. so I totally get where they were coming from, but I love what you said about like show it to show it to two people that you trust and have without any bias onto what version they like and have them choose because I think that this person was just a little bit shocked that like this is what they actually sounded like ob objectively, you know, instead of what they were used to sounding like. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a scary thing when you hear hearing yourself back for sure um i will i'll uh talk about a little bit about some of the ways to keep yourself straight when working on revisions these are some best practices that i have found mm. working digitally as most of us are i always do always 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 do a save as for every revision yep, me too. that i'm working on so the first mix i deliver the file name is session name underscore r0 if you've worked with me you know that's how i do it r0 rev0 that's the initial release everyone after that is r1 r2 r3 because you will find working with your bandmates or even even with your own stuff you'll get to a point where you're like the rev3 drums were better <laughs> and you don't want to have to reverse engineer the rev3 yeah. drums you want to just open that session and be like ah yes okay that's what i was doing Yes. No, I I completely agree. Um do you do you think that there is a an appropriate typical number of revisions? I've heard the number 3 be thrown out there, but I'm curious on what you think. That's a great question. I so my policy for my studio is unlimited revisions. And I find I feel that's an important part of what I offer people because it's it's me telling them you're going to be happy. Like we'll keep we'll keep working on it till you're happy. Now, I have worked on projects where I've seriously started <laughs> questioning that policy. I've almost yeah. changed it. Um so for me, the typical number of revisions on a song I would say is in the 4 range, I would say on average, some, somewhere around there, 3 or 4. What, what raises red flags for me in the revision process is a couple of things. One is Rev 6. <laughs> Once we're past, we're getting past Rev 6, then I'm like, we're losing perspective. And this is what um, Michael Brower, I've heard talk about this as well. He's, he says you get to a point where there's so many nitpicky revisions that he's actually said he's gotten to a point, again, with big name bands where he's like, let's start over. We'll remix the whole thing. And he finds he's like, I end up in a very similar result to the original version. And like, he, he thinks that when you get to this point of just nitpicking, nitpicking revisions over and over again, you lose the big picture, you lose the perspective. So that's one red flag for me. Another red flag for me is if there's a lot of going backwards, if there's a lot of like, mm, no, I think I liked it the other way better. Uh, let, can we go back to the other way? Once we start like reversing direction, I usually take a time out and I'll usually get like on a video chat and be like, let's talk about this. Let's talk through what we're hearing and what we're doing. Um, that Those are kind of the, some of the things that, that I use as guiding points. What about you? So I kind of have a similar policy to you, but I play the psychological game and I keep my clients guessing. <laughs> I I will give unlimited revisions, but I don't tell any of my clients that I will. 
So I want <laughs> them to feel. Except just now when you told them. Yes, on, except on, when I told them. It's on the them, record yes. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I'm a nice guy and I figured just like you, right. you know, like I would never tell a client, sorry, this is revision three. I know you wanted a DB more reverb on the drums, but that we've gone past three revisions. That that yeah, seems a little bit unreasonable to me. Yeah. Um, that seems a little bit unreasonable to me and I want people to be happy. So of course I'll do more revisions, but I want people to feel a little bit of pain if they're asking for revision seven or eight. <laughs> yeah. I want them to feel how awkward that feels, you know. So I know what you mean. Um and I've not really ever had issues with it. I've had a couple projects that have gone up into the high numbers, but I feel as though most people are very reasonable, at least people that I've worked with. And, and maybe we can even talk about genres because I find that in the proggy genres, that's where it gets really freaking nitpicky versus, and the funny thing about that is a lot of that material already sounds way better than you know, no offense, but um, indie singer-songwriter, because that music, the indie singer-songwriter, it's not like it sounds bad, but that music is more focused on the feeling more than the playing and the performance. Mm. Uh, but I feel like with the um, the indie stuff, it's more like, sounds great, no, no revisions needed. But when we talk about proggy stuff, it's like, can we turn up the snare half a decibel and add more sub to the bass you know bass guitar like things like that you get into the 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 nitpicky way more of so yeah yeah for sure there there's times when people will ask me to do stuff that i know isn't going to make the song better and at that point it's a judgment call there occasionally i will try to reason with them and say like I, I I'll never really say that's not going to make a difference, yeah. Um, unless it's a lot of work for me. But there's times when I will reason with them and say, "Look, I'm telling you, that's not what you want." Like I've had, I've had people ask for like less bass distortion, for example, on like a pretty heavy track, and I'm like, "Listen, I'm telling you, it needs <laughs> to be there. Like, trust me, just trust me." Um, but occasionally, if it's not a lot of work, even if I know it's not going to work, I'll still do it. I'll still make the change and just let them let them hear it and let them. A lot of times, they'll come back and say, uh, "I'm actually not sure." Like, do you, what do you think? And I'll be like, "I don't love it." And then, <laughs> and you know, that you have that yeah, discussion, that's... but at least you've let them kind of hear it. And so it is. It is definitely a sensitive thing. And what you said is key. It's a sensitive thing from both sides. There's a lot yeah. at stake, it feels like, emotionally. And so uh, you have to tread carefully and not let revisions ruin the fun of doing the project. You know, you, we talked about at the beginning, you know, uh, from the perspective of mixing your own band. And I would say in a lot of situations, it's not a great idea. <laughs> but <laughs> um, it can be a great opportunity and something fun to do. Um, I think that, so I kind of have that role in my band, The Fell. And the nice thing about that is I can kind of, even if I don't do the final mixes, like I kind of kind of just have this role of organizing demos together. And it kind of helps everybody get on the same page as far as these are the MIDI programs we're going to use for synths and drums. This is how we're going to deliver files. And 
if you can play that role in your band, it just makes whoever you're handing the files off to to mix later, it just puts you way ahead of the game as far as being organized because Oh, for sure. For sure. Could, if you're kinda of like could, the archivist yeah. and the the coordinator. Um, and especially uh, keeping everybody on the same page is huge because you what you don't want, especially if you eventually are going to hand these songs off to somebody else, you don't want that person to be getting four different opinions on revisions. Yeah. You want to show a unified front as a band, and that's a great way. If you're that person who's organized and who keeps track and who knows what's going on and you're the consensus builder... That is an invaluable role to serve in your band. It'll definitely be useful. I know we've gone past it a little bit, but let's talk real quick about revisions and whenever it gets into above the four, uh, four and above category, why that might be and how to avoid that. Like, I know I've had situations where actually I'll go out on a limb and say every time that I've been in that situation of higher revisions. A lot of it can be avoided if I would just get all the revisions that the band members were thinking at the same time. Yes. And it's a, I'm telling you guys out there, no matter who you work with, it's a big pet peeve. Even if they don't tell you, they're, whoever is mixing your stuff is annoyed by it. And yeah. If you're like, that snare's <laughs> been the same for ours, Rev Zero, One, Two, and Three. And now Rev Four, you're like, I don't like the snare. That's a frustrating thing to hear. <laughs> Very frustrating. And, you know, sometimes it happens. It's okay if one thing gets forgot here and there. But yeah, I will say course. that if the drummer has comments about the drums, if the bass player has bass comments and guitarist, etc., they better make all their opinions heard on the first revision. You know, don't wait until you see where it goes. Say everything up front let the mixing engineer make the changes. That, that's a there. great point. I do tell people that as well uh, when we talk about revisions. I tell them, yes, it's unlimited revisions, but we should treat every revision as if it's the last one. In yeah. other words, give me all your comments. And then if we have to do another one, we'll do another one. But we should treat every revision as if it's going to be the last one. So here's a question for you I'll throw out there. When as an artist let's say we've handed off our song um, to a mixing engineer. When should uh, the artist be concerned about the mix that they get back or the master that they get back? Ah. Yeah, great question. Great question. Um, I guess if it, if it just, if it's totally missed the mark for you, you know, it's, it's completely, it's not even in the realm of what you wanted, then there's one of two things that happened. One, you didn't communicate what you were going for accurately. I guess two, you, you chose the wrong person to work with. Or maybe I'll add a third thing is that person isn't good at what they do. Like, I guess there's, you know, there's three possibilities there. Uh, but if, if you listen to the mix and you, it's just totally missed the point of your song, that's a red flag. I mean, there, there's some, there must be some point where you're like, this is beyond revision. Like, I, there's not, a, there's mm -hmm. not enough revisions that I can come up with to fix this. And especially as an artist, you may not have the the language to do that. So, that is a problem. I, I, I can't say I've ever run into that with artists I've worked with. Um, but I am always worried about it in the back of my mind when I send something off. I'm like, what if they just 
what if this is completely off? You know, I do think about that. Well, mm. what about you? What, what's, what's the, what would that point be for you as an artist or as a mixer? I've like counseled a band on a very similar situation. And that can always be a little bit tricky because I was going to say from an artist's perspective, if you get something back that you're just not sure about, then share it with somebody else that you trust to get an ear on it. But you do have to be a little careful about that because you need to make sure that you really trust them, that they have your best interest because they might just tell you something else just to try to get your business. I mean, people are conniving like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So just well, make if you're sure in a band, you I mean, let, let everybody listen to it, right? And for see sure. what they think. Yeah. Um, for sure. See if it really missed the mark or if you're just missing something. It, there's a lot to, to, to be said for your initial reaction to something. Yeah. What happens when you first play it? But that shouldn't be where you stop working. Like, you should really take the yes. time to analyze what is it about this? Because sometimes the emotional impact may be totally missing. But when you think about it, it's just like, oh, the vocals are just too far back in the mix. Like, it could be a simple or a simple thing. So you really have to analyze it using those critical listening skills to see what exactly is not hitting you about it. Um, I think in, in most cases, yeah. if you're if somebody competent is doing the mix, it should be salvageable. I would think. Yeah, yeah. The so. The situation that I helped this band out with, it was like a nightmare situation. So they recorded um, they recorded a couple singles and had it mixed by a studio in Austin where they were from. And basically the studio just lied to them. They just said, you know, just record your DIs. We'll take care of everything after the fact. And they didn't even time align or edit anything. It was Ugh. bad. It was just sloppy. And I told them straight up, I said, you know, you guys basically got taken advantage of and these people weren't honest with you. I would say at this point, just ask for the tracks and take it to somebody else, which is a very, I will say that's a very rare situation because I've also run into the same issue where um, Nafil's last EP, it was getting mixed right after I joined the band and um the guitar player, he came to me about the first mix we got for the EP, and he was really worried. He was like, I feel like this is a disaster, like something's really off. And I really calmed his nerves by saying, no, this is something that absolutely can be taken care of by revisions. It's not a five-alarm yeah. fire. I think you, you brought up a really good point. I think if there's something really basic, like if no editing was done, that the whoever's doing it is just not trying or they don't know what they're yeah. doing like that's a you're right i think at that point i would be like send me the tracks let's let's pull out sometimes i guess that takes that uh experienced ear to be able to determine that but you can you can seek that out if mm -hmm. you're wondering and you're listening to this podcast you can always reach out to us for for an opinion happy to help absolutely yeah um any other thoughts on revisions vadim uh let's see i um uh if you if you are using any effects like i have some outboard gear i do have a little actually online note file that i use to record my settings for each revision level so that i can recall on my analog gear and if you're using like guitar pedal effects or something like that it, you should yeah. try to record that um record meaning document what yeah. you did analog and, record <laughs> yeah analog right <laughs> scribe it 
uh, yes. into your parchment. And um, the more you can note notate, the better, because you're going to come back to that session at some point and wonder what you did. So that's just as important for revisions. Um, that's about it. Just just stay organized, stay disciplined, so you can keep track of your changes and understand where you're going. I guess the the final thing I'll say is uh, com comparing from one revision to the next is is really important. It's the same as we talked about in the mastering episode, the DIY mastering field guide. Uh, you want to pull both tracks into a DAW, level match them, and really an AB compare that way. If you're yeah. once you get into the subtle revision differences. Uh, to identify key changes. That's pretty much all I got. I think that's a great summary. We talked about a lot of different things, Vadim. It was good. I hope that yeah, it's it wasn't. Helped. Hopefully, it wasn't just the old men shaking their fists <laughs> at the sky session. No, I think I think it's been good. And um, you know, you guys can take this even outside of music too, because my wife does art, um, like totally. drawing and portraits, and she does a lot of revisions for clients and uh so she often confides in me about very similar things so it's very interesting <laughs> any creative task yeah is um it's important to know how to have these kinds of discussions you're right absolutely yeah and so we've helped we've hoped we've helped you today navigate the world of revisions so if you have any more questions about that drop a note in our facebook community we'd love to talk about it uh until next time, remember to check yourselves before you wreck yourselves. Have a good one. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. We'll see you next week.